0: You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. As a believer, I, I like many of you, truly, truly love the Christmas story. Every aspect of the story, I don't care where you start in it, I love the story. <clears throat> if you want to begin all the way back with Zechariah and Elizabeth, you want to go back further than that into the story from the prophets and all that was foretold to the stable where the birth occurred to their, to their having to go into exile into Egypt. I love the story. It tells us so much about the rich blessing in this amazing revelation that God has shown us through his son. It shows us so much of the heart of God, the heart of a father who let this plan unfold in front of us. So it is a remarkable story. Uh, what a profound announcement was made in that birth. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know if you're who you would be expecting for company in your home over the holidays, but I think if, if, if we were to recognize that on the, on the day of Christmas, the day of Jesus' birth, what God actually did was he came to visit to create a residence within us. My favorite part of the story that gives us this God with us, this evidential proof of his spirit. My favorite part of the Christmas story, though, is uh, Begins somewhere else. My favorite part begins in Acts chapter 2. And that's where I would ask you to go this morning. We're going to be in that neighborhood anyway. Acts chapter 2 tells us of this very, very dynamic Christmas story. Because we find there where Christ came to dwell among us. Everything that we read about in the, around the nativity, around the birth of Jesus, is telling us about something yet to come. It's telling us that God has a desire to be with us. And to accomplish that, certain things had to be done. There had to be a birth. There had to be a life lived. There had to be a sacrifice in the death of Jesus. All of those ha- things had to occur. But in this moment, in Acts chapter 2, we can finally announce God with us in an inseparable way. The full evidence of the Christmas story, the prophetic evidence again from the Old Testament, a decree from Caesar Augustus, a journey very late in Mary's pregnancy, the modest surroundings around his birth, the angels, the shepherds and the magi, a child who grew in spirit, a baptism and a receiving of the Holy Spirit, a life of obedience, his sacrifice, our preparation, all culminating in this moment in Acts chapter 2. Here we find the remarkable evidence of the Christmas story. What was he preparing us for? What is this story truly about? The answer to this very divine design that I talked to you about briefly last week. I want us to hear this. I know it's important because I typed it in all bold letters. As humans, we are not designed to rely on human strength. You say it again. As humans, we are not designed in the heart of God. We are not designed in the heart of our Father to to rely on on human strength. We need to accept that. We need to recognize that the design was simple that you and I as believers would be people who were power assisted. We are power assisted people. I used to own a 1968 Pontiac Firebird. I, use, I say used to, and I say it with great sadness, because I'd liked, I really would have liked to have that thing back. We sold it and bought a washer and dryer, of which we were extremely proud. Looking back, I'm not sure I would have done it again, but anyway. Uh, the one thing I didn't like about that 1968 Firebird was that it didn't have power steering. <coughs> some of us in here are old enough to remember that, vehicles that didn't have power steering. So when you're parallel parking, I mean, you are, you, it, it's a serious uh, effort. I mean, you're pulling hard, trying to turn that thing into that sharp corner and spinning it back, trying to get it parked in that parking place. Pa- you know, I used to have a Massey Ferguson tractor that didn't have power steering, and I'm guaranteed a day on that thing was just a workout because it didn't have power steering. Now you get in a car, power assisted, and you, and you stick your finger in the steering wheel and you go like this. Any difference in being power assisted in the amount of effort that we have to put in? See, we as humans weren't designed to rely on human effort. We were very much, in the heart of God, designed to be power assisted. It's, it seemed like it ought to be something in the Christian world that we would just quickly accept because we either are going to try to do this under our own effort, very much under our own strength, or we will recognize that by the very design we were intended to be assisted by someone else's power. Ministry. And why, would, why in ministry should we never grow weary Why should this Christian life never make us tired? Well, it's very much the difference between sitting in that car and turning it as hard as I can and sitting there barely having to touch the wheel to turn it and give it direction. Why would I ever get tired of doing nothing more than just the effort that it takes? Why would we grow weary in our well-doing? We should not. Why? Because we're power-assisted we have a power and it's all told, uh, we're all told about it beginning in, in Acts chapter 1. So if you're in 2, flip back a page. I told them back in, in, in the Bible study this morning, I do not and I have not for a second in these 12 years that I've been your pastor, I have never had to endure this ministry Again, as I shared back there, I know a lot of pastors who are enduring ministry. They don't know what else to do. They don't know how to answer the questions. They carry the burden of the congregation. They endure ministry. Well, I want to tell you, I've been doing this for 12 years, and a little bit beyond that, I have not had to endure a single day of ministry. I absolutely, every day, enjoy it. Why? Because I'm power-assisted I wouldn't even try it without that power. I wouldn't even attempt it. I wouldn't have anybody in my office. I wouldn't try to stand here and preach. I wouldn't reach out. I wouldn't go to the hospital. I wouldn't do those things if I had to rely upon my own strength. I wasn't designed that way. We weren't designed that way. And it tells us, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Why did He design it this way? Because He knew that there would be no amount of human effort that would be able to allow us to be saved in the first place, and once saved, there would never be enough power for you and I to help each other, love each other, care for each other, forgive each other without His power in us. This is simple. The confusing part is why we're refusing the power. God knows we cannot live this life He set before us on our own. He absolutely knows it. When you encounter someone, especially in a conversation, and you're realizing that this person's problems are way too big for you, what's the most normal thing for us to do? Somebody want to say it? Give him Randy's number. Because <laughs> I get a lot of people because somebody said, well, you know, I have somebody I need to send to you. <laughs> well, I will, I will tell you this morning, When, and I, I have some of these going on right now. The problem standing in front, sorry, Federico, you just happened to be there. <clears throat> I'll turn this way. No, the pr- <laughs> The problems in front are so large. And I sit in my office and as the stories unfold and I get the feeling smaller and smaller in the story. And I am so glad that there's someone in that room inside me taking over that room that I don't care what size the problem is, I don't care what the issue is, I don't care what's happening in their story, God in that room is bigger than their story, bigger than their problem, and I want to know sitting in there that I am power assisted because I do not want to take that on myself. But I would ask you this morning, someone approaching you with a challenge, and you know that you are power assisted by the power that he gives us, He's telling us about when, we, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we'll receive that power. Would there ever be a moment when the power in you is not greater than the problem in them? Will there ever be a moment when the power in you is not greater than the problem in them? No. Never. Greater. Somebody finish it. It's he that is in me than he that is in the world. You see that's just that's design. There's not really a question about it. He knows that we are not supposed to be a purpose-driven church. I imagine many have read that book and I'm not even going to say anything about it. A lot of truth in it, I'm sure. But he did not design us to be a purpose-driven church. He designed us to be a spirit-driven church and there is a difference. There is a difference. He knows that we are able to be a Holy Spirit that is grounded in the reality that God knows that we can't do these things for ourselves. Go with me to Acts chapter 2 now, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now we know that this is about 120 people according to the previous chapter, verse 15. There's about 120 gathered in this, in this gathering. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. We hear today a lot in the Christian world about God changing our atmosphere. And it's a conversation that I participate in. Letting God change our atmosphere. Letting Him change not only this inside us, but this this, this, uh, that's around us. But I want us to notice something. Hadn't seen this before. Hadn't really contemplated this before. Do we understand? Do we ever believe for a second that the the atmospheric change that he is going to make that he is planning on making, that he has a desire to make, doesn't mean that he's bringing peace and calm into our atmosphere. It's not a sedate atmosphere. What does he want to bring into our atmosphere? How did he come in that moment? He came as a rushing, mighty wind. That is the atmospheric change that we're seeking. We're not seeking a calm one. I want him to enter and change this atmosphere because he came in in a rushing and a mighty way. Those words, rushing, moving, carrying wind, mighty means violent, a forcible wind. Who wants it? We talk sedately about God changing the atmosphere. We're not asking for that. I don't hear anybody praying for that. He didn't come in calmly. He didn't come in peacefully. He came in to say, I have come to dynamically change that which you have never seen before. I'm coming with power. I'm coming with might. I'm coming with strength. I'm coming with force. I am coming into your story so that you would understand the enormity of who I am so that you can share the enormity of who I am with everybody else. A mighty in a rushing wind. Are we asking and seeking that kind of change in atmosphere? Do we even imagine an atmosphere that is that overwhelming and that powerful? I want it. I want that atmosphere. I want for you and I, by the power of God that rests in us, I want us to be able to enter any room, anywhere, in any home and know that the power of God rests on me I am a residential address for the Holy Spirit and where I go, He goes and I walk into a room and I want the person in there to know that the Holy Spirit has rushed in and come in in a mighty way. They need to know there's a transforming power has come into the room. And we offer it so little because we have made him of so little consequence. Our spirit, now quickened by the blood of Jesus, that's what qualified us. The blood of Jesus qualifies us for that power. It qualifies us and we are ready now to receive the power promised in Acts chapter 1 that we read about in Acts chapter 2. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let's go to the next verse in chapter 2, verse 3. I want you to notice something. And there appeared unto them, about 120, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as f- fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, about 120 strong. <clears throat> How many of those 120 got the Holy Spirit? All of them. All of them got it. It's not some kind of lottery. It's not some kind of a drawing so that in this room, some get it and some don't. We live that way. We believe that somebody's got more than I have. And God is announcing to us in this fashion, when He came as a, as a rushing mighty wind, He came upon all of them, all 120. Now, do you think that all 120 were in exactly the same place spiritually? No. There were some who were probably very deep in their faith. There were some who had just walked into the room maybe even walked into the same room, thought they were coming to some kind of a meeting that they didn't even know where they were going. They walked into the room and by the presence of the Holy Spirit falling in that place from the novice to the eldest received the power. Who in this room, who is a believer, does not have it? No one. I don't know if that does anything to you or not. But I will tell you, if you have been qualified by the blood of Jesus, which is the only qualification, you're qualified and have access to this power. I wish we would believe it. And it's set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We are not designed in this life. To live off of someone else's power. Think that happens? Absolutely. I don't have as much power as they do. I don't have the answers that they have. I can't make the difference that that person can make. That is not the teaching. That is not what God did. There's not a single person who is qualified because of the blood of Jesus who has less or more power than the other. Some have learned by faith to use it. Others have not. There was a flame for every head. There was a spirit in every spirit. So what does it take to get it? What does it take to get it? Go with me to John chapter 14. I was taught all my life, and I don't know if you were, I was taught that to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you prayed and asked. And upon that asking, you would receive this baptism, this immersion. There's a lot of questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism by the Holy Spirit. And the answer to that question is yes. By, in, in, Whichever way you want to phrase it. Because here's the picture. It would be interesting if when I baptize somebody, I I could be the baptizer and the water. Wouldn't that be interesting? Because then I would be the one who was baptizing, but I would be baptizing them into me if I had the ability to not only be the person standing in the water, but also be the water in in the baptistry, I would have to be able to be both. Guess what? The Holy Spirit can be both. The baptizer, the one who immerses us, but what is he going to immerse us into? Into himself. The baptizer and the baptized in. So whichever you want to say, The message is the same. He baptizes and he immerses us into himself. John 14, verse 16. And Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. By whose prayer do we receive the Holy Spirit? by Jesus's prayer. Wow. So who got left out of that prayer? No one. No one. It is as universal now as it was in that in that room in Acts. All 120. If you've been qualified as a believer, by this prayer that Jesus prayed that, that the Father would send the Holy Spirit, He sent the Holy Spirit to you, now qualified by the blood of Jesus. So what's the difference? What's the difference? And in, in, I, learned, I learned, learned a lot about healing. I learned a lot about, about dealing with demonic things by a pastor named Jack Hayford. The Living Way Ministries in Van Nuys, California. Powerful man of God. I, I learned a lot from him. But I don't feel the necessity of, when something happens, I don't feel the necessity of sending somebody to Jack Hayford. Why would I do that? Does he have something we don't have? No, because there was a universal reality. But how, why was there a difference between Jack Hayford and me? Because Jack Hayford, by faith, had trusted that which God had done. By faith. We will either receive that which God has accomplished in us or or by doubt we will reject it. But it does not change the fact that you and I have exactly the same power because he prayed it. We were designed by being qualified by the blood of Jesus to be power assisted. He knew we couldn't do it on our own. He knew that we couldn't trust human effort. It would never be enough. He gave us the Holy Spirit to set us free from that effort, and we don't exercise the faith to walk in it. I mentioned this morning how strange it would be. I'll change the illustration a little bit. I don't know what your favorite vehicle would be, but let's just just pick something. What kind of truck, Parker? Duramax. Duramax. That, that would be it. Okay, well, I want you to go. What dealership do you want it from? Uh, uh, Gene Messer. All right, Gene, you he's going to Gene Messer Ford. And they have got this thing ready. I mean, it is what color? Black. Oh, it's black. <laughs> oh, man, it's pretty. Yeah. Christmas, still got a couple of days. <laughs> Get a pocket size. You go to Gene Messer, you're driving up, and they got it out front. Hmm. They hand you those. You, sign, you, you just sign one little old paper, and you're out of there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That part's prophetic. This part's going to be pathetic. They hand you those keys. You stick them in the ignition, you turn that thing on, you put it in neutral, and you walk around behind it, and you start pushing that thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything. That's the story. That's our life. We have been given power. And we get around behind it with all the human effort we can apply. Start trying to move that thing. And what does anybody watching you think? You're nuts. You're nut. <laughs> what does a Christian life look like done under human effort? You're just a nut. Because he bought and paid for something that would provide everything our hearts could desire in a relationship with the Father. And how long would you push, Parker, before you quit? Not far. We wonder why why so many believers put a little effort into it and then we don't see them anymore. Why? Because they didn't realize what they had. We're designed to be power-assisted. That thing's got a huge motor in it. Put the key in, turn it on, put it in gear, turn that steering wheel, that power steering, and drive that monster out of there. Got power. We were designed for it. Father, thank you for this reminder. As we get ready for this coming year, Father, In the vision that that you're gonna give us, already started for us to see this coming year, Father. We have to know we're power assisted, or it can be overwhelming. But if we know what you have designed us to know, that you have bought and paid for all the power, all the strength, all the authority all the love, all the grace, all the mercy, all the goodness and kindness bought and paid for. And we have access to, if we know it, Father, we will never grow weary in well-doing. We will never grow tired in ministry, but we will enjoy sharing that currency of joy that you shared even going to the cross. Thank you, Father, for this reminder this morning that we were designed to be power-assisted. So it's not our effort, it's yours. It's not our love, it's yours. Thank you, Father, for showing us so clearly what's on your heart this morning. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.